On today's Stuck In, the time has finally come and our collective buttholes are quivering with excitement for the marquee matchup, the game of all games this weekend, a result that will live on forever in the hearts and minds of football fans everywhere. That's right, folks. Morocco versus Croatia in the third place game. Should be a cracker. And then apparently there's another one on Sunday, which I may or may not tune into. JK, JK, obviously talking about the final between Argentina and France, and Christmas has officially come early. Uh, Jared and I wrap about a few topics, review those semifinals, uh, and offer up our guaranteed to be wrong or your money back predictions for the games for you all, the traveling supporters, and we hope that you enjoy. We've got more ground to cover than Julian Alvarez traveling from the World Cup final in Doha to his fourth round Carabao Cup tie in Manchester in the span of 96 hours. So without further ado, let's get stuck in. My lover's got no money, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no power, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no fame, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no money, he's got his strong beliefs. One more and more people just want more and more freedom and love. What he's looking for, one more and more people just want more and more freedom and love. What he's looking for, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire. Welcome to Stuck In, a Farmers League soccer podcast. Today is Friday, December 16th, 2022, and insert cliche time flies comment here. Uh, a World Cup 10 years in the making uh, has not only arrived, but is ending in the blink of an eye. I already feel like, uh, you know, my Qatar trip uh, is ancient history at this point, maybe a fever dream. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but bottom line is that over the next 48 hours, we will conclude the 2022 FIFA World Cup uh, with Morocco versus Croatia tomorrow in the completely pointless, or, or maybe not, depending on who you ask third place game uh and then of course the final that just about everyone wanted uh especially the nation state of qatar and their footballing interests uh argentina versus france messi versus mbappe uh and jared we'll do predictions later but it's safe to say that no matter who lifts the trophy on sunday uh petro bucks win um are you a little in disbelief as i am that we've actually arrived at the precipice here or are you at peace with the incessant passage of time and see this is nothing but yet another fleeting moment that will vanish into the ether uh, definitely the former. I, it really is stunning how quickly it goes. And I think part of it is also like you have that group stage where you have the four games a day for nonstop. And then it just like it really slows down. And obviously, like, you know, the last, oh, I don't know, eight games of the tournament take about as much time as the first, you know, six, uh, 56. And so that is definitely a thing. And, uh, you know, it's it's even I think even probably even more pronounced being in this winter kind of time period where, you know, it's not in the middle of the summer when you're everything seems more relaxed. You're in the middle of this rush time of year as it is. And now everything just keeps happening. And so for me, it, it really does seem like just yesterday it started and, and I'm a little in disbelief. Yeah, no, it's, it's incredible. And actually, I, I told you guys, like while I was over there, I legitimately felt like I was on a hamster wheel and I just couldn't get off. Uh, like, especially once we transitioned from the group stage games uh, over to the knockout phase, because there was no rest day in between. So it was like, all right, groups are done. Boom, straight into the knockout stage. And, and obviously, even before that, I mean, four games every day for crying out loud. It just felt like a fucking hamster wheel. And even like just at home, like, you know, doing the fantasy stuff where like I'm updating spreadsheets all the time. It's like I'm so used to like spending like hours and hours a day on these sheets. And then, like yesterday I was sitting at home uh you know last night i was just like i kind of didn't really have anything to do i was just kind of like you know listen to a podcast or whatever like had a had a game on in the background and i was thinking to myself is there like something i should be doing like, like yeah. i feel like it's weird that like I, there's a day with like out of the game where it's like i need to like, be making sure that like everything's going smoothly and so it's like you have these couple days off and you almost don't know what to do with yourself yeah no for sure for sure um but yep uh 
irregardless of all of that stuff, we are here at the end. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, a very quick review of Argentina, Croatia and France, Morocco, uh, you know, a quick uh, predictions for third place game and final. Um, but first, a couple of topics that we wanted to cover here uh, before we get to all those things. Uh, just like we started off the last episode, um, let's say a word about Grant Wall. Uh, obviously, a lot more details coming uh, out of that uh, story and uh, his body has successfully um, been delivered to the United States uh, and they did perform an autopsy. Uh, and I'll just read this because I would obviously never remember this term uh, and I'm sure I'll uh, pronounce it wrong even with it in front of me. Um, but it appears uh, according to this autopsy and according to his wife, Dr. Celine Gounder, um, that Grant Wall did indeed die of an aortic aneurysm. Uh, and there's a longer term uh, with uh, hemopericardium. Um, where, quote, uh, it's just one of those things uh, that had been likely brewing for years. And for whatever reason, it happened at this point in time, she said. Um, yeah, like it was just the, the, the rupture of a slowly growing, undetected, ascending aortic aneurysm with hemopericardium. Uh, the chest pressure he experienced shortly before his death may have represented the initial symptoms. Uh, no amount of CPR or shocks would have saved him. Uh, and she added that there was nothing, quote, nefarious about his death. So, you know, take that for what you will. Obviously, it's still a terrible tragedy, uh, just a, a horrific loss uh, for so many reasons. Uh, but I think, Jared, again, we, we can kind of rule out um, that that sinister plot by the Qatari government that, again, like we said, was, you know, a very small possibility, but a non-zero possibility. Are, are you good with ruling that out? Yeah, we can we can do that. Thankfully, it's one of those yeah. I'm kind of happy to be wrong about. And now we can move on to figuring out how the security guard died during the same exact game uh, because his family doesn't know how he died yet. Uh, apparently some sort of large fall. And so uh, no matter what, you know, like it or not, Cutter cannot escape the idea that, you know, again, for, yeah. for are you talking about it, like a 20 something Kenyan guy? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, again, and, and again, we're not trying to blame this country for stuff that they haven't done. But again, they're, they're still. Uh, even if Grant Wall, uh, for better or for worse, is, is not among the, the casualties of the World Cup in that way, uh, it, we, we best to not forget that the fact that there are still casualties that, that have continued to occur even once this tournament has started and this one being the most recent one. Again, during the same game, or I guess technically after the game, so two in the same game and, and still just very unfortunate. I, I think it's good for the Wall family that they can have their peace of mind and not you know have that uh, dark cloud Hanging yeah, the closure, the closure, the closure, but still, uh, again, just, just still the dark cloud will not, will not leave this country, uh, cutter during, before, after, and for in the history really about what has happened here. Yep. No, hundred percent. And, uh, as more stuff comes out, cause like you said, after I'm sure we will find out, uh, about more migrant workers and about, uh, this, that, and the other thing, uh, and we will cover it at that time. But yes, um, obviously wanted to kick off, uh, the episode with that. Uh, and once again, um, yeah, our, our love goes out to him and his loved ones. And, uh, uh, yeah, just an incredible journalist, uh, that was gone too soon, but yes, uh, we're very glad for the closure for the wall family on, on that one. All righty. Um, so, uh, yeah, let, let, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about soccer. Let's talk about the world cup. Um, and, uh, yeah, one last topic that I wanted to cover before, um, going to the review of the semifinal games. Uh, but yeah, this, uh, sacked or retired uh, list of coaches, um, also players retiring or at the eve of the retirement. This really is, I mean, speaking of closure, this is really the closing time for uh, a number of managers and players here. Uh, I mean, really just a, uh, a marker of the end of a generation of some incredible players um, and coaches, or at least where, you know, they, uh, whatever country they're coaching. Uh, but yeah, Roberto Martinez, uh, you know, obviously sacked from, um, from Belgium, uh, Tite from Brazil. We talked about Tata Martino, Mexico, and now uh, Santos from uh, Portugal. And the only and the, the main reason we're mentioning this, I mean, the guy was at the helm for what, like 16 years, and uh, it, it was probably always the logical time for him to go. But Jared, the rumors around this uh, swirling Jose Mourinho in, and the twist is that he would continue coaching at Roma uh, while he's the Portuguese national team manager. Oh my God! As a as a person who typically does not root for Portugal very often, and, and obviously. Uh, that is usually down to one person. I, I would gleefully uh, look forward to this actually happening. Uh, I would the pop. I would not be able to eat enough popcorn watching this absolute train wreck uh, occur. And I just I can't for the life of me figure out why Portugal would even entertain this idea. Yeah, I, I would. Ju there's just so many things to say about this. The, the first thing that came to my mind is that 
I felt so bad for Jao Felix, like over the course of his career. And by the way, he's still only 23, but so many of his prime years have been wasted at Atletico Madrid. We all know Simeone's style of play. And, and this artist was forced to be a warrior for so many of those prime years. And now he has this like th- this this glimmer of hope. Right. Santos finally, you know, he starts him for Portugal. They even bench Ronaldo. And in that one game, you know, it, you know, against the Swiss, it looks like, oh, my God, like this is the free flowing dynamic football that would suit Jao Felix. And now we're going to have years of this like incredible attacking Portuguese football. And then they crash out and then they say they're going to bring in like the most defensive minded park the bus type of coach. And he'll just go back to it like that would just be fucking brutal. I, I can't again. Like you think about not only him. Uh, we talked. You know, we talked about Leal a bunch. Bernardo. Oh yeah, yeah. The other attacking talent that they have. Ramos, of course. You know, coming on the scene and just to absolutely like just nullify that by having like try and have Mourinho play Mourinho ball in the international game. It, it's just like a fate that like none of those kids deserve. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, in all honesty, though, in all seriousness, like how would that work? I know there have been some managers who have been able to juggle uh both of them uh who was the dutch guy who did it most recently um but but yeah like can you really pull that off and especially uh and i'll give a hat tip to nikki bandini on this one um you know not realizing that one of the reasons that he's so embraced and loved at roma uh is because you know the perception is that he cares and loves um this team just as much as the supporters do like you don't have to be the best coach in the world in rome you just need to like love the team and have the same passion that they do. Uh, and that's why they embrace him. But if he were to do this, like by definition, that means he's not as committed to the club as they are. Yeah. I mean, I guess there, there's only two ways that in my brain, I can think it could work. And the first is obviously whoever your assistant coaches are with the national team are doing, obviously, you know, all the legwork, right. You're, you're, they're going to games across the continent that, that national team coaches often do. They're doing all the, you know, the, the, the outreach or most of the outreach for maybe young kids who might be dual national and and so on and so forth. The other thing is I almost think you almost have to have just like more or less like a a set 11 or a set 15 guys that you're going to rely on that you're not going to have the amount of time or effort that you can put into uh, thinking about different tactics and thinking about different lineup wrinkles and thinking about, Oh, you know, we can start this guy, even though he's only 20 because we can get him into, into camp and, and train and so on and so forth. And, you know, I, again, I just don't think you can do two jobs at even 75%. And so I think it would, it would his, his ability to be successful at Rome. And I think it would, it would damage Portugal. I just don't see how you could do it unless you're just going to say, Hey, these are my 11 starters at Portugal and I just need to fly in and coach them. And that's all that needs to happen. And I just don't think you can succeed that way. Right. None of it makes sense. And it would be an absolute train wreck. And that is why Jared, it needs to happen. It needs that. I need to, I need this. I will like, I will like Orville Redenbach or stock will go up on the market <laughs> if this happens, because I will be buying all of it. Like I just will not be able to stop it. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Um, And a name that is not on this list uh, that I was kind of hoping for, but it looks like it's trending in the opposite direction. Uh, And and we didn't spend too much time on this uh, last episode. We we can here if you like. Uh, But uh, Greg Berhalter's name is not on this. In fact, it sounds like they are in negotiations for his next contract. I I think that I mean, that was a story that broke last week. I think after the most recent uh, Gio Reyna stuff, I I think it's over now. I, I don't see a way back. Um, I, I think the U.S. is in a really rough spot because I think that when it comes to about 2025, they will be able to hire almost any manager in the world to manage for the World Cup. But I think it's going to be really hard to, to hire a guy in 2022 for, you know, two to three years of Nations League and, and maybe a Copa America without mm. you know, no World Cup qualifying. I, I, I don't see I, I feel like he's going to have lost the locker room after the whole uh, I thought this was off the record, so I'm going to throw this player under the bus thing. Um, and so maybe, I, I don't know, maybe we just trade him to England for Gareth Southgate for a couple of years. Maybe that works. Uh, uh, yeah, as much as hate as Southgate gets, actually, I, I don't think he'd be too bad. Although, I got to tell you, man, the second that I saw the news that Roberto Martinez was out as Belgium's coach, I was like, sign the guy up. I, I just feel like that's exactly the project uh, that he would want. And, and I get your point about, you know, like lesser competitions and, you know, two and a half years of a lull, pretty much, um, you know, not much going on. But uh, he is, you know, a very, very good English speaker. Uh, he has a, a great track record. Um, I know he hasn't lifted too many cups on, on the international stage, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I just feel like, you know, 
know, he knows how to get the best out of players. He develops young players very well. And with all of that time uh, and with the personnel that we have, man, I just feel like he'd be a perfect fit. Yeah, I think if we're going to hire a guy like tomorrow and he'd be willing to do it, I think he, he's probably the best option. Uh, I will still, again, I would be very happy in, in my perfect world of being like, of literally going down like the Dave Sarakin wrote for a couple of years and then literally offering like, whoever the best manager is in you know say what june of 2025 and just offering that guy like unlimited amounts of money and be like whoever we think is the best i don't care like you know again like all the the jokes about you know guardiola wanting to do uh, a national team or you know obviously people talk about uh not that i would hire him but as you said with Mourinho possibly wanting to do a national team one day if there's that kind of guy or, or i don't even know who the name is but just like I, I don't know what the right answer is, yeah. but if we really do want to hire a guy for a four-year cycle, I think you could do do far, far worse than Martin is. Uh, yes, no, 100%. Oh, and by the way, Jared, uh, a friggin' uh, uh, facepalm uh, to both of us here as we were making this list of uh, Sachs coaches. We forgot to include Luis Enrique. Oh, my God. Oh, greatest, how could we forget the greatest? How could we forget that? Oh, that's great. But yeah, I mean, this is like, uh, what do they call it in the NFL? It's like the coach carousel, like whatever time period it is that like pretty much everyone gets the sack. Yeah. And we look again, I'm a big believer usually of the four year cycle. It's, it's very few national team managers that can make it work for longer than that. The ones that do are typically coaching, you know, France or Brazil at times. And so, look, when it comes down to it, of the 32 teams in the World Cup, 25 of them should probably have new managers like within like six months. And, and, you know, I think you have like the random ones like a Morocco who obviously just hired a coach in the last few months, uh, you know, an interim coach that should be their, their permanent coach or whatever. But I think you see a lot of these guys who have been on the job for four years, six years, eight years, a lot of those guys should be turning over. And and I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know how every country wants to approach it in terms of, should you have an American manager if you're in the U S or an English manager, if you're England or, or so on and so forth. But there's, I feel like there's a lot of chairs still, uh, that have to be spun in this whole thing. Yep, yep, for sure. Uh, and can we also uh, do like a subtopic here? Uh, not just managers leaving, but I also alluded to, you know, players leaving. Uh, you passed along the news uh, this morning that uh, Sergio Busquets uh, has officially uh, retired. Um, and then, you know, like I said, not, not to mention so many guys from our generation. Uh, and, you know, you and I are both tennis fans. We've alluded to that, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You just have like these generations of players um, that are really coming to a close. And yeah, like we've seen it, you know, Federer's pretty much on the verge of retiring. Nadal's like right behind him, uh, all that good stuff. But but yeah, in, in the soccer generation, um, you know, all these players that were here in this tournament, Luka Modric, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi. Uh, yeah, they'll probably have a few more years of like club ball in them, but the, you have to think this is probably the end of the international uh, road for them, just like Busquets. But so to tie that one up uh can, can we just give a quick shout to Sergio Busquets we, we have made fun he has hung on a little bit too long uh at times uh but just an incredible career yeah I think he's probably the best case of a guy who's you know again outside of Messi Ronaldo and and I guess Modric for that matter where uh this is probably it uh, well obviously he, for him it is it uh he, he said as much but uh, you know, it's it's always weird with the European guys because you wonder if you might squeeze out one more. Like, Euro, yeah. Coaches are talking about maybe as another Euros in him kind of deal. Uh, but yeah, it's certainly the last World Cup for a lot of these guys. And I think if you, you know, you look at Argentina specifically, it's not just Messi, although he'll get all the, you know, all the attention. But it is probably like Di Maria's last one. And it's probably, you know, it could be Otamendi's last one. And, and a few of these guys have kind of been through it together for five or six years and, and yeah. Although I don't know if we can uh, mention Nicholas Odomendi, Odomendi in, in the same breath. <laughs> no, I mean, not in the same breath as in terms of quality of player. But again, that you have like, I, what you have in these teams is you have like these little clusters of guys who kind of uh, who kind of all kind of go through the same process. And I think with Spain, it's a little bit weird because Busquets kind of just kind of hung out with Xavi and Iniesta and, and Ramos and PK and just kind of kept going. Uh, yeah, yeah. Needed them, but I think you just had these little with all these teams. You have these clusters of four or five guys that kind of end up all being kind of kind of lumped together because they all have kind of followed a similar career path. And uh, it'll be weird having a, a Spanish team at the Euros or whatever, and, and not having Busquets as part of that midfield, regardless, because I kind of assumed he would just play there until he was sixty. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and I'll close that one out on a, on a great quote from Pep Guardiola, if I can remember it off the top of my head. Uh, I believe he said, if, if you watch the game, uh, you will not see Sergio Busquets. But if you watch Busquets, you will see the entire game, uh, which I think is pretty cool. And, and yeah, you just can't uh, discredit or, or 
or marginalize what he has done for uh, those incredible Barcelona teams, the Spanish treble team. And uh, yeah, just a, a very, very cool career that has come to an end. Uh, and yeah, I think we're going to see a couple more official retirements. Uh, very soon. For example, Wouldn't that be amazing if Messi wins on Sunday and just retires on the spot? Like for real this time. I, I think the other thing we have to look out for is, is all of Costa Rica's national team going to retire because I think, uh, again, average age of 45, I think a lot of those guys might not have another World Cup in them, though. Brian Ruiz might. You never know. Jared, if they, if those guys don't retire, just fucking put them out to pasture, for God's sake. Like, you just can't let them play anymore. Brian Ruiz at, uh, in the U.S., work on 26, make it happen. <laughs> He'll come out with a fucking walker. All right. Uh, well, that will do it, I think, uh, for, for that last topic there. Um, all right. Let's let's move on and, and uh, recap these two semifinals that took place uh, this past week. I know it's a little bit old news, but uh, this is our uh, recording schedule. So, you know, suck it. Our podcast, our rules. Um, yeah, let's start on uh, what was it? Tuesday at this point. Uh, Argentina versus Croatia an absolute drubbing. I, I mean, I think like w- we can go into the weeds here a little bit, Jared, but uh, I think the bottom line and, and most of the, the, the critics and the journos are pretty much agreeing like old men Croatia just finally got tired. Yeah. And I don't think there's really deep weeds to go into. I, I okay. Think, yeah. Yeah. Fair play. Look, uh, you throw in uh, uh, a couple mistakes, uh, big mistakes during the game. You throw in a team that just wasn't really able to generate much offensively as they just kind of fell apart. Not really, again, having that attacking presence that they've, they've had in the past with Mandzukic. And then um, this this messy guy who, uh, again, decent player, uh, who, again, just takes a guy who we've been gushing about, Guardiola, and just <laughs> rinses him like over and over again in the same play. Uh, again, so you have your your moment of magic, which will be remembered forever. But by and large, not the most interesting game. Croatia just wasn't able to offer anything, and mm. a little disappointed because again, they've been so tough to play, so tough to break down. And again, just this was one game too far for them, and they just kind of fell apart. Yeah, uh, and, and real quick on that, Guardiola, uh, right? We've gushed over him. Uh, I think everyone agrees he's probably been the defender of the tournament or at least, you know, young player of the tournament or whatever. Uh, but bottom line is he'll just be remembered for getting posterized in the semifinal. And that fucking sucks. And it sucks also because he pretty much like it took him a good 12 to 15 seconds to get beat. And I don't know, like, again, I'm not a, a high level soccer coach, but I'm guessing leaving a center back on the wing, like one on one with Messi is not a good idea, regardless of who that center back is. Well, yeah. They, and you could see him looking over his box. shoulder. He's like desperate for, you know, because obviously the tactics ahead of time were like double team this guy. Like if it's one on one, you can't do it. Like someone else needs to come up. He's like looking for his help and no one was coming. Yeah, if you get him to the end line, and you, again, you have the sideline in theory as a, as a helper defender, there has to be somebody else. So you can you could stand on the end line, you force them back inside into help. And and I, again, I don't know whose fault that was. I I, I know Sosa got uh, hooked at halftime, and so there was kind of some some. I don't want to say disorganization, but not the consistency that Croatia had had throughout the tournament defensively. But nonetheless, it's still somebody has to just go over there. And and again, you're losing two nothing. It's late in the game, and, and maybe you're not going to win anyway. But if nothing else, you got to you got to clean him out before he gets to the box or something like that, and just say, hey, we're not going to let it happen this way. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, all right, well, yeah, let, let's just rip through the goals then real quick, and, and we can move on from this one, because yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's pretty much straightforward. Um, a, another shame here, I think, on, on Messi's penalty goal here, uh, which was the keeper, um, uh, what is it, Lovakovic, whatever. Uh, yeah, Lovakovic, um, who's also been fantastic this tournament. I mean, between penalty saves and, and just, like, pulling random saves out of his ass in the run of play, uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and then just, like, kind of a brain fart moment, like, you know, FIFA controller getting unplugged, you know, all the cliches there. Uh, but, like, I mean, dude, come on, man. Yeah, it was a tough one. And the people that are doing it's not a penalty, I, I quite don't understand that. Who's saying that? Oh, the dude on British TV, like they spent the entire halftime and they were all like, yeah, it's like an absolute horrible call. It's not a penalty. Oh, like, it was like, it was like the entire like country bank was just like, what? Like what's going on here? Shut up. Yeah. Maybe they thought they were watching rugby. I but don't I know. mean, on some of the podcasts I've heard some of the people be like, I don't, we don't think it's a penalty. He's entitled to his space. I'm like, yeah, but he kind of stuck an arm and a leg out and he uh, didn't get the ball. And you know what? You can be in front of an attacker, but I'm thinking of like the, the defender in midfield, right? If the, if the attacking player megs the defender and tries to run around and like runs into 
of the guy, it's still very much called a foul. And, and you know, the attacker's also entitled to try and, and get around you to, to get to the ball. Obviously, Alvarez, if he was shooting on goal, he might have uh, gotten away with not getting the penalty called. But seemingly that Alvarez was trying to touch it around him and then try and slot home. It's a, it's a no-brainer penalty. And again, as you said just about Guardiola a minute ago, you have a guy who, uh, for all the tournament, is has been absolutely amazing. Fortunately, I think enough for him. I think we'll still remember him for Brazil and not on the end of a, a, a penalty call. And so uh, I guess his reputation will remain intact. But, uh, you know, a, an unfortunate moment for him. And I think that pretty much ended the game. Yeah. How many of those Brazil's uh, p- penalties did he save? Like three? Uh, he stopped two penalties. And then just, again, the nine saves or whatever it was in the game, right, itself. Mm. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah, like, I think, again, if he wants a big move, he'll get one. And I don't think this will hurt him too bad. And, 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 and sadly for Croatia, I think what happens is that penalty happens. And then five minutes later, Alvarez comes bundling through again. And, you know, he kind of they kind of away him a little bit because they don't want to concede the second penalty. And then the ball bounces right to him and he scores again. And so I think in many ways that first goal kind of sets up the second goal because Croatia is still thinking about the penalty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and speaking of which, a, a very quick word on, on the penalty. None of the slow run up, none of the, you know, hop, skip and a jump, none of the Panenka. I mean, he, Messi just steps up and smashes it. And, you know, as much as I dislike a guy like Harry Kane and this, that and the other thing, uh, it, I think that's how you take a penalty right there. Well, and I think also you look at the game with the Netherlands, right, where Messi has the penalty in extra, uh, during the game and then the one in the shootout. And both of those times he kind of took that slow, you know, um, kind of slow run up, took an extra second, waited the goalie, you know, waited the goalie out and, and kind of, you know, slid a slower ball. Uh, yeah, yeah a touch penalty and then you know he gets the penalty here and you know Lovakovic knows what he did in the last two games and then he does like a real quick run up and puts it up for 90 and it's it's a testament obviously to kind of you know as an attacker you know obviously Kane kind of does the same thing every time it takes the side and just bangs it but the fact that you can kind of go in one game kind of go a little bit slower and, and kind of mixing it up and then all of a sudden go and bang top corner uh, it obviously makes it a lot harder to stop and not that uh, you know, Vakovic could have stopped it either way, but kind of that, that changing it up on the Messi's end is, is also a very brilliant strategy on, on his part and, and obviously no doubt on the penalty. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that makes it 1-0. And like you said, uh, Julian Alvarez is coast to coast. I mean, that looks like fucking Kevin Giblin on the Mendham Raptors. Just <laughs> There's a Raptor. Okay. Yeah. Uh, has like seven guys. I mean, a couple lucky bounces. Yeah. Like you said, you know, they're, they're a bit hesitant to, to get stuck in because of the previous penalty call, but uh, just a, yeah, a, a fun, entertaining goal there. And, and uh, obviously as we, we mentioned, uh, Messi just turns Vardial inside out on the end line uh, and slots to Alvarez who gets his brace and, and yeah, just another young player of the tournament. Uh, he, he's just having the time of his life. Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine he's got to be the young player of the tournament. I think FIFA does award that uh, in the World Cup. And again, a guy who didn't start the first game wasn't supposed to be the starter. You think about Wataro Martinez, how great he was at Copa America and how good yeah. he and that's the guy, right? And and Alvarez was like, the, oh, he's the young gun who, who might see some minutes here and there. Maybe they'll sh- throw him out on the wing one game and comes in for that second game. And it's just pretty much, what, four goals in five matches. And and again, if, if he has another brace in the final, could end up being the, the, all of a sudden the golden boot winner out of, you know, from off the bench. And so uh, an amazing story for him. And, and uh, again, a guy who even at the club level is not an out-and-out starter. And though I don't see how City can't figure out a way to play two strikers and just destroy everyone with those two. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, he is on a team with Erling Haaland, so it's going to be tough to, <laughs> to I don't figure care. that out. They play a 1980 Scotland 4-4-2. They would still score about 100 goals combined, those two, I, I feel like, together. So I, Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, although, Jared, you did make one mistake there. It's not going to be Alvarez with the brace. It'll be Messi with the brace in the final, just to make you sweat, just a little bit. Just a little I, bit. I don't want, no sweating here. <laughs> I'm that confident. I know, I'm at like a tenth of a percent at this point, probably. Plus, I told you, I'm trying to do the double and Messi getting a brace might actually uh, engineer that to happen. So. Ah, true, true, true. All righty. Um, well, that'll do it for that semifinal. And of course, in the other, uh, you know, uh, conjuring all sorts of old uh, historical imperialist uh, scars for Morocco. Uh, but yeah, France versus Morocco in that in that semifinal. Um, and, and yeah, th- this is where, uh, you know, we talked about Croatia, just the old men kind of crapped out. Uh, they ran out of energy. I think Morocco ran out of fairy dust. Uh, the, the Cinderella story, you know, their carriage turned into a pumpkin uh, type of thing. And um, how different that game would have been had they not conceded in the first five minutes there. But uh, ultimately, France two, Morocco nil, uh, setting up that dream final. 
And and I think the the number one thing you can say about this game is at the end of it all, we we've marveled at France being able to to put this run together and with with how many guys they have injured, right? Obviously Benzema and then Cuckoo, you know, who would have gotten a lot of minutes probably in this tournament. Of course, Hernandez gets hurt first thing out, and and uh, you know Conte and Pogba and all these guys, and they just next man up, next man up. They have the two guys sick in this game, next man up, and then you have Morocco who has three defenders who are all hurt that they're just playing can get through a game or, or, you know, can, can, you know, shoot it up or bandage yeah. it. And uh, when you're France, you have the next man up and you have this guy and that guy and the next guy. Uh, Morocco doesn't have that, of course. And so, uh, you know, Morocco tried, you know, Gurge was supposed to play, then he didn't play. Then Saiz tried to play and could go about 18 minutes. And Mezraoui tried to play and could go 45 minutes. And I'm not saying Morocco wins otherwise, but when you, you can't have that many injured defenders against a team with that much offense. And, and although they still defended pretty well, uh, you know, you make it looked of- better once they went to the four. Right. But you still make a mistake a few minutes in and you have a couple of defensive errors there. And as you said, you give up the R goal and, and you're cooked at that point almost. And even though, again, they they fought their asses off and they were, I wouldn't say dangerous at times, but they made France sweat at times, I would say, uh, obviously, until the second goal goes in. And so uh, I think that Morocco played this match to win. They didn't just try and sit back, even with five at the beginning of the game. I think they had a, you know, there was a still a, str- uh, a strategy behind it that wasn't just a bunker. Uh, it just didn't work out. They changed. They they got, as you said, went to the four. They were more dangerous. They could have, you know, equalized right before halftime. And I mean, I think they were as impressive in defeat as they were in any game that they actually won leading up to this point. And I think that even though we, we you know, we'll talk about this in a minute, the third place game. And I think even though we tend to poo-poo it, I think like Morocco there is going to make it more compelling than, than usually any other one would be. Yeah, fair play. Um, but yeah, Yamik, just a, a rush of blood to the head, diving into that challenge and just opens them up. But um, but yeah, again, you know, fair play to, to Morocco. All credit to them, not giving up, uh, feeding off the energy of the crowd. Fair play to the fans as well. I mean, probably what, like 80, 90 percent uh, Moroccan fans there just whistling, hooting, hollering uh, the entire game and just feeding off that energy and, and still pushing for it. Uh, and, and they looked great uh and i i don't think any any of the um you know what they've accomplished should be lost uh, just because they didn't make you know that that dream final and by the way they still have a third place game where they can uh you know get a third place medal and that would just be incredible for their country for their supporters for the arab world all that great stuff yeah and i think that the end of the game was very illustrative of this and and you know i think after that second goal by france the they really did silence the crowd uh, for about, you know, I would say maybe like seven to eight minutes. And then as he got closer to stoppage time and, and the realization does set in and, and then the Moroccan fans, like almost as one, because it happens so quickly that they went from kind of a, a silence to all of a sudden very loud again. And it was really, it was that thank you. It was, you know, it was, it was yeah. the, we, we lost this game. We do get that one more game, but uh, you know, just letting the players know that like the, the realization that they had given everything. And, and I think that, uh, when you're a fan of a team like a Morocco, uh, you know, Croatia, I guess, to a lesser extent, though, they've now had multiple runs or, you know, when the U.S. went to the quarterfinal or when Senegal goes to the quarterfinal or any run like that, uh, the fan base is, is feels lucky to have had that two to three weeks of, of, of something that they'll never forget. And so uh, for Moroccan fans, for players, it obviously will still be an experience to uh, to remember forever, even though it didn't quite end the way they wanted it to. Yes, as they say, don't be sad because it's over. Be happy because it happened. Uh, and again, yeah, let's not count them out for the third place game. We'll, we'll see how those two uh, slug it out, and we'll have some predictions for the traveling supporters quite soon. Um, but yeah, ultimately, uh, 2-0. Uh, <laughs> a quick word on Kolo Muani, uh, just slotting one in there, just like a <laughs> – I mean, now he can say, I, I scored a World Cup goal. Yeah, the semifinal at that, right? Yeah, and it yeah, was, it's it, incredible. You know, I had said it was Susie came on, and it turned out later that, you know, Kaman is, is also kind of has this illness that has been going around France. And I'm thinking, what? why is, like, you know, Kawamani coming on instead of Kaman? And, you know, I said that, like, what, is Kaman dead? Which, again, turned out to be a little prophetic. And then, like, what are we, 10 seconds later? I was like, oh, no, well, never mind. Like, I guess that's fine. And, uh, again, you talk about Mbappe just uh just doing so much of the work not getting you know the the technical assists on it but more or less does get an assist where he just draws in all those defenders and everyone just dives in to stop it uh he gets that shot off and it just it it you know bounces perfectly and and but again 
you're making the right run to to be in a position where you're you're a on side and b if the ball happens to come to that spot it's an automatic goal and, and credit again to him for for being in the right spot because again what is you know luck is when opportunity meets preparation or whatever and, and that's mm. exactly what happened and uh that's really hard to do when you come in a game in the 80th minute and you're just trying to get in the flow to, to make a good run like that immediately uh you know it's, it deserves the reward that he gets yes 100 percent uh and to close the loop to uh, final, uh, the, the final singing of, of France's praises here. Uh, can we give a shout out to Antoine Griezmann, uh, just a player that, that I've always had a soft spot in my heart for. Um, and, you know, we just, we <laughs> know the drama that he's been embroiled in, uh, you know, over the last year. And uh, just a, a very, very interesting player, like looking at his career arc. Uh, but then, you know, going into this tournament, would you have thought that he would have not just, A, played this role for a depleted France, uh, and, and still make the World Cup final, by the way. Uh, but but B, um, do it with great aplomb and, and potentially be in the conversation for player of the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think the, the the tactical position he is playing, per se, you know, on the team sheet is exactly what we expected. But his role, obviously, is far different. I mean, he's really been like a box-to-box midfielder. Which yeah, really defending, like hurling himself at balls and like, Heading like clearance, you know, heading uh, uh, clearances out of the box and stuff. Yeah, I mean, clearing balls out of his own six-yard box out of nowhere. <laughs> and and you know, we, we've talked at length about uh, these players just having to go from a club game into this and being physically exhausted. And uh, you know, me thinks that uh, the one guy who might have actually gotten really lucky in the in this whole thing might have been Griezmann because we spent months right joking about his. Oh, he gets to play thirty minutes a week. Oh, I guess he's allowed to come in now. It's the sixty-fifth minute, and instead of putting you know. 20 to 25 90 minute performances on his body he put like 15 to 20 30 minute performances on his body and and now you know in the 80th minute of a world cup semi-final when you see again these moroccan dudes who are who are knackered and some of the french dudes who are knackered and even mbappe who's made the shit kicked out of him is, is tired and, and bent over he's like fresh as a fucking daisy and he's yeah. been the guy that has been the prototypical you know fourth long kind of player that we talk about but his body seems to be holding up a lot better than most and maybe that whole uh transfer saga is a blessing in disguise but uh he is to me obviously the most uh, i don't want to say underrated because i think he's getting his, his flowers but i think that in any other tournament where you don't have the just the mbappe messy kind of uh storyline dominating everything i think that you would very easily be able to argue him for for player of the tournament Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, although, right, if, you know, if Argentina win, it's obviously messy. If France win, you know, he's got to contend with Mbappe. But uh, but yes, I think a more acute uh, and, and, and seasoned soccer eye would probably say that Griezmann has been uh, the most important player. But will he win those plots? Who knows? Uh, but they, yeah, Jared. You, do, I, don't know if, I don't know if the World Cup does like the gold, silver and bronze ball. I, I can't remember if they do it or not. But if they do, he'll certainly uh, I can't imagine a situation where he's not on the podium. Yeah, yeah, there you have it. Okay, um, that'll do it for our review of the semifinals. So why don't we just uh, catapult straight into uh, our predictions for these last two games? Uh, again, tomorrow, the third place game between uh, Morocco and Croatia. Jared, who you got? Uh, I'm torn on this one, I, I think, because I think Morocco is going to, I don't want to say try harder, but be more up for it. Um that said, I, I don't know physically and, and injury-wise how they're going to be able to handle it. And, I, and I'm just not as sure how Croatia is really going to approach this whole thing. Uh, I will be rooting for, I think, Morocco just because I think that uh, the you know the the Cinderella story kind of deserves the the bronze medal as it were mm-hmm. one uh, and again for Croatia even though they would you know they were the last Cinderella they finished second obviously four years ago and so I I will feel uh, more okay I guess with them finishing outside the podium than if than if Morocco does but I, it really comes down to I think how Croatia approaches I think if Croatia really tries and puts out their best eleven I think they will win but I also think it's more likely they kind of empty the bench and, and Morocco really pushes for it. So uh, I will say Morocco won nothing because I think Croatia doesn't try as hard. Ah, very good. Okay. Uh, Well, I'm with you. My heart is definitely with uh, Morocco, although I think Croatia are going to uh, care a little bit more. Like, like, yeah, like Morocco will care uh, more overall, but I I just don't think they have the physical capacity to do it with all those injuries and the fatigue. Uh, Whereas, yeah, Croatia are fatigued, but I I just think they have more quality uh, and they will, um, you know, they'll, they'll give like three out of 10 effort instead of like one out of 10, you know, so it's like, it's still not that much. Much, but I think it'll be enough uh, to get them over the line. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to go, uh, I'll actually go 2-1 Croatia in that one. 
Well, then we agree that Morocco scores one goal. Uh, yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. Although it's, it's not going to be your classic third place game like goal fest uh, type of thing. I, I think it'll still be pretty, not like cagey, but but just you know, pretty low scoring, not super entertaining. But but yeah, I, yeah. I see- not sure, not sure either team has the horses to really like put up three or four goals here. It, it, exactly, that's all I'm saying. Okay, um, very good. Uh, so yeah, we'll watch that one tomorrow, uh, and then your final: Argentina, France, Messi, Mbappe, Jared. Who you got? God, I have no fucking clue. Uh, obviously, I will be rooting for Argentina. I, I think I've uh, made that perfectly clear both before and, and during this tournament. Uh, and, and and what's so hard about this one, and I really have spent a lot of time thinking about this, uh, of course, in the last couple of days. And, uh, you know, I, I, and I think about almost like a, like a high school debate class where, like, you can be given either side of the argument and you have to kind of be able to argue it. And the thing about these two teams is it's so easy to argue either side, right? If Mbappe goes off, France wins. If Messi goes off, uh, Argentina wins. If Wataro, uh, if, uh, if Calvarez gets his brace, you know, uh, Argentina wins. If Giroud gets his brace, France wins. And uh, I think the best way I can say it is I think that if both teams play their best, I think France is slightly better. I think they just have a, a little bit more depth. I look at um, how Mbappe has been, quote unquote, slowed down in the last couple games by, again, like a Kyle Walker and a Kimi. And uh, Molina's not going to be able to do that. Uh, on the other hand, obviously, uh, you know, Griezmann's been able to do the box to box thing, but he's not going to be able to defend Messi, of course. Um, and, and so I kind of see this one going to penalties like 1 1. <laughs> And if it gets to penalties, I think Argentina will win because I think Martinez is better in penalties than Maurice. Yeah. Uh, but I do think if the game is resolved in either 90 or 120 minutes, I think France will win. Uh, if I could hedge my bet possibly any more than that, uh, because I just think there's just so many reasons you can pick uh, either team. And, and I think for his, for every reason you could say, hey, Messi wants to win the World Cup. He's going to you know ball out. You can definitely say Mbappe wants nothing more than to be the best player ever, too, and wants to be Messi in the World Cup final. And it's really fucking impossible. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and, and yeah, as you mentioned, the, those good old pro-pro arguments. And you're not wrong. Like, you could argue for Argentina, and I wouldn't say you're wrong. You could argue for France, and I wouldn't say you're wrong. Uh, for, for me, like, my, my head says France. My heart says uh, Argentina. I, there's just nothing more that I want to see than uh, uh, than Leo Messi lifting that cup and, again, hopefully <laughs> retiring on the spot and just going out into the sunset. Uh, either way, though, um, we, we would say I think that first training session uh, for PSG is going to be a little bit awkward either way uh yeah and i'm gonna have more about psg actually at the end of the show but i mean it's 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 absolutely incredible and and i i don't know if it'll be too too awkward uh by all accounts mbappe and messi actually do more or less get along i think mbappe's problem is really more with with neymar and we even saw in the in the semi with with hakimi and and mbappe i know they're they're closer friends but but they were able to you know hakimi as devastated as he was was still able to to give you know his teammate uh, you know, his, his club teammate and his friend kind of, you know, that respect and that love. And they were able to, you know, hang out after the game. And I, I don't think there's going to be obviously any uh, bad blood unless one of them gets like red carded for like two footing the other one. Right. Uh, and, and by the way, if you are a betting person, um, I, if I want to throw out my like my betting lock of the of the year. If if Paredes starts this game for Argentina, uh, just bet all the money on him getting a yellow card in this game because that will a hundred percent happen if he's starting. And if he doesn't start, then you could probably just take that money and throw it on DePaul to get a yellow card. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and even at like negative ten thousand, oh, like put everything on it. I would put like a few hundred dollars on him to get a yellow, and then maybe throw like an extra fifty on him just getting like sent off. Yeah. Uh, like that's a decent enough chance as well. But I, I feel like there's no way that a couple of these guys in Argentina won't just uh, easily eat yellows, just trying hacking down Mbappe or Griezmann. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, all right. Well, we will see uh, in the famous words of Michael Ballack, uh, it, you know, gun to my head, I, I will go with, with Argentina, I, uh, but I, I'm just hoping for a good game, man. We know these finals can be very cagey uh, and especially with two teams that they just, don't really uh, seem to want the ball too much or they're happy to kind of like sit back and defend a little bit more than you would hope from an Argentina and France side. Uh, and, you know, you just wonder, it's like, are, are they both just going to kind of like, no, you have the ball, no, you have the ball. Uh, I, I'm just kind of hoping for for a good game and not your typical KG final. I hope so. I, I'm, I'm less thinking that it will happen, but I think just the idea that uh, the fact that I, I literally like get chills thinking about like how good a final this, this should be. Yeah. Uh, can't even remember though i think the last final that i think even before the game that you would have said like 
oh, this is this is it. Like, this is the fucking game. And and I think it might be, like, 98, like, that Brazil-France game, France hosting, where even before the game you would have said, oh, man, like, this is this is it. And so for the, for these two teams to play each other, it's, like, as a soccer fan, it's, it's like, it's porn. It literally is just the most exciting thing you can think of. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, well, where are you watching on Sunday? Uh, probably just at home. I, I haven't. It's the probably. I think this 10 a.m. kickoff is like throwing me off in terms of like being able to really like want to do something super exciting. Uh, originally, I think I think originally they had actually planned it to be like that two o'clock kickoff, uh, you know, that late kind of cutter kick and kind of that prime time uh, European kick. But they've obviously since gone back. I think it was at two. I might, uh, you know, try and, and, and actually go outside and, and yeah, go to the pub or something. Like that. Uh, yeah. But I think at 10 a.m. I just I'm going to wake up at like quarter to nine and, and I think I'll just probably just chill out and, and be able to like try and watch it more tactically and less uh you know in a party atmosphere okay well there you have it all right uh jared i'm gonna let you take the reins here for the last uh part of the episode here um yeah we're gonna wrap up the show uh my, well my own goal today is that there is a third place game that exists especially uh for a world cup in the middle of a season uh, after a fixture congested uh, last 18 months because of the pandemic. Uh, completely pointless, uh, if you ask me. But again, if you ask a lot of those players, especially a lot of Moroccan dudes who you know never thought they would be there and they have the chance to play in this incredible game and represent their country, you know, good for them. I'm not saying it's pointless for them, but uh, from my angle, uh, that is my own goal today. And my stoppage time winner would just be uh, that the final is happening. And yes, I agree with you. I just am quivering in anticipation uh, for it. But yes, you actually do have a couple of shouts here um so go ahead jared wrap us up what is your own goal of the day yeah so my first own goal i have two one is uh less serious one being more serious uh the less serious one is uh you know i was, I was thinking about this and i know we've talked at nauseum about being in the middle of the club season and so on and so forth and then I, like i thought about it and i i, I kind of heard something on a podcast that you know kind of made me look this up and i and i was looking at you know the scores page on espn click on sunday of course we have our world cup final and then i i, I click on tuesday Ah, yes. Tuesday, Newcastle United versus Bournemouth, among other matches. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, by the way, the aforementioned PSG is actually has a friendly on Wednesday uh, <laughs> against a lower-level French side. Also, Spurs play Nice on Wednesday. In a yeah. friend- on and by Thursday- the way, Jared, sorry to interrupt, but there were a bunch of those games like while World Cup yeah. was going on. I'm like, I'm not going to watch Arsenal versus Milan like while a fucking quarterfinal is happening. <laughs> On Thursday, Manchester City is playing Liverpool in the Carabao Cup in the least dramatic t- battle, like a semi-competitive <laughs> game of two good teams. That you like, what the fuck yeah. are we doing here? Like, I know it's, it's it's I know it's the League Cup, and I know we don't care about the League Cup, but for Christ's sake, four days after, uh, yeah. you know, in this game, and it's like, what like what are we doing? Like, and I understand that you know some of the other leagues are taking more time, but in, in England, time stops for no man. But like, uh, like that, fuck, like fuck all. Off with this and i understand that you know in the big picture there are fewer city and liverpool players uh than than you than you could have had playing in this thing right uh, but i just want julian alvarez starting for man city on thursday is like really all i want right now uh just utterly absurd <laughs> um, yeah and, and like we we talked about even before this thing uh you know c- could you imagine um you know leading into it uh having a player who's got to like hop on a plane let's say they played in the world cup final and then they need to get back for like a fourth round carabao cup tie and like and it's coming to fruition here and and like honestly and even going into the next week and i know boxing day is the day in, in the Premier league and i and look i i will be happy to watch but the, i mean i'm sorry going to like literally from week to week we talk about oh one week we get that that man city liverpool game or we get that dortmund munich game or, or like these big games and then maybe like one week there's not a lot of great club games going from literally the world cup final to eight days later being like yeah i'm gonna sit with sit down and watch southampton and brighton like oh yeah. fuck <laughs> me, like, uh, fucking brutal uh what's course, your stoppage time winner on a, actually i do have one on a more serious note oh okay yeah sorry uh, in the Women's Champions League for Arsenal, Vivian Miedema, a non-contact knee injury. Mm. Uh, they have not announced for sure what that injury is yet, but very possibly, uh, 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 you know, an ACL slash MCL kind of injury. Uh, again, seven months until the Women's World Cup. And just as we spent months, right, talking about, oh, is it if this person gets hurt, what does it mean for the World Cup? Uh, we have to do that now. We turn to the women's game and do exactly the same thing. And again, Miedema, if, if this is indeed an ACL, uh, obviously, would probably miss the World Cup. And again, she is one of the best players in the world. Uh, the Dutch have been obviously a, a World Cup finalist uh, four years ago and, and a contender to win this World Cup. And if they lose their best player, that would be a crushing blow. And, and that would just be uh, really devastating to the women's game as a whole. 
Yeah, hundred percent, Jared. And and I'm I'm thinking about it. You know, uh, Spain's Putellis took the injury before Euro, and um, and obviously not trying to like minimize any other player, but it's it's just like it's really bizarre and and like oddly coincidental that it's it's like the best player for the best teams, you know, leading up to their big events. Like the the coincidence is just crazy. Yeah, and look, and again, it's 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 never. Um... It's never going to stop. It's never going to be perfect. And, and we just, again, we hope for the minimal. We, we spent months hoping for the minimum amount of uh, men's players. And now we have to do the same for the women's side. And it just, it sucks. Yeah, that's brutal. Brutal. All right. Uh, appreciate those own goals of the day. But as we are wont to do, Jared, why don't we end this on a positive note? What do you got for your stop? Well, well, I have no time for Southampton and, and, and Brighton next week. What I did have time for yesterday was Rangers 3, Hibernian 2 in the <laughs> Scottish Premier League as Rangers attempt to claw back to Celtic. And the only reason I say that is, uh, again, two Americans starting in this game, James Sand and Malik Tillman. And uh, Tillman with two assists in this one uh, as Rangers get the win. And his, his third assistant, uh, the second assist, the third Rangers goal in particular, was a very, very nice one to Morales where he, he uh, got a nice through ball from Tavernier, uh, crossed up the defender, and then slotted across for the goal. And, uh, you know, again, the, the end of that World Cup, a little bit of a bitter taste for the U.S. And again, everything with the Gio Reyna situation since then, an even worse taste in our mouth. And so now uh, we can fully turn our, our sights back to our young guys playing abroad for their club teams, getting goals, getting assists, making good plays and, and setting up for the future. And I think this was really, I think, the first like league game where an American kind of shown through. And so, uh, you know, look, the, the 2026 cycle really does start now and, and go on those young American lads uh, making us all proud over in Europe. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, but no room on the plane for, for a guy like Malik Tillman. Uh, Dude, but, all I could think but, of was, you know, maybe was or go would have been nice. Would have been nice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, although he, he might be, uh, you know, blessing in disguise because uh, maybe he would have gotten thrown under the bus afterwards. Who knows? I, I just I can't get over this geo thing. It's unbelievable. Uh, but yes, uh, I, I think we might end up getting what we wanted, which is Burr Halter uh, out. And, and yes, I am positive about the next cycle as well looking ahead to 2026 home field advantage all of those young guys in their prime uh jared you got your seat booked in the rv we're going to travel around the country man and go watch all these games uh that would be uh, the dream and and of course i live about 15 minutes away currently from a world cup uh venue and so god willing uh you know we will all be able to get a good amount of tickets and see some good teams and and watch the u.s on home soil It, it is obviously like a bucket list thing Yes, sir. 100%. All right. Uh, well, that'll do it for us today. Uh, the referee has pointed to the center circle, uh, put their whistle to their mouth and blown for full time. Uh, that will do it uh, to you, Jared. I appreciate the time, the insight and, of course, the banter. Uh, and to the traveling supporters, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And until next time. Bye bye. <laughs>